Hello and welcome into the Recovery to Recovered podcast. I am your host, Caleb McCall. I am excited to be back with you guys today. Um, I've missed the last couple of weeks because of that sickness that the devil's rained out on the earth, COVID-19. Um, but praise God, I'm feeling better and um, just glad and pumped to be back today. We have a special treat for you, our listeners today. By the way, don't forget to like, smash that like and subscribe button to the Recovery to Recovered podcast. Rate the show and check it out on every Wednesday. We'll be airing episodes. And so I'm pumped to have my good friend on today, uh, Pastor Jeremy Austell. And he is the DYD for the state of Tennessee um, and the Assemblies of God, um, the district youth director. Jeremy, how's it going, man? How you doing? It's good, man. I'm uh, glad to be hanging with you a little bit. Awesome, man. Yeah, I'm pumped to have you on, you know, to our listeners today. You you, you folks pay attention. Um, Pastor Jeremy, he he uh, awes me every time uh, that I get the chance and the privilege to hear him speak or preach. Uh, I was uh, actually, it's funny, kind of off topic, but not really. But I was talking to some of our guys at Be The Bush and I was telling them I was going to interview you and some of them know you. And I was I was talking about your vocabulary, man, your vocabulary, dude. It just it trips me out because you're you're a sharp guy, intellectual guy, and you love Jesus, man. And I honor you. I respect you. Um, and I'm just grateful that you're here with us today. Well, I'm so. glad to be here, man. The vocabulary thing. I, I grew up in West Tennessee, rural cotton field town of Covington. So I, the vocabulary, I don't, I don't even know where it came from. I must have watched, watched a lot. Did you go to, of you go to college or something? Or? I did, but I, I didn't pay a lot of attention. So. <laughs> as many, as most young adults do at the college age, right? Right. right. I was just trying to get out. I wasn't trying to get nothing learned. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome, man. Well, Jeremy, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you grew up. I know you just got into that a little bit with Covington, Tennessee, but just tell them how you grew up and and where you got to and how you got to the point of where the Lord has you now. Yeah, so I'm 42 years old. I've been married 21 years and I got two precious kids. And um, my story is not exactly riveting, uh, but, but I'm unbelievably grateful for it. So 42 mm-hmm. years old, I can't recall putting my head on my pillow any night without the Lord being the overwhelming context of my life. When I was five years old, my mom led me to Jesus. You know, Mm. she, she, uh, she got saved when I was really young. Uh, and you know, she'd watch televangelists on TV and, uh, she said, God for them televangelists. Ain't nothing wrong with it at all, (laughs) man. That's right. That's right. She said, um, she said, you know, it was routine for me when they would get the altar call, you know, five years old, tears rolling down my face. And so she wow. kind of had the epiphany one day that maybe my spirit was ready uh, mm-hmm. to, to become a follower of Jesus. So she led me in that and she fought for my soul and kept me in church. My grandmother, you know, took me to church. I had an mm-hmm. incredible local church uh, in Covington that I mentioned before that 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 nurtured my soul, that prayed with me in the altars, that provided mm-hmm. youth ministries and kids ministries that that helped form me. Uh, from there, I went to Bible college uh, as a 15 year old, felt uh, a very uh, profound awakening to the call of God on my life. And I, I use the word awakening because I, I, I the call didn't just drop in my life when I was 15. It was something the Lord embedded in the fabric of my being when he conceived me in his imagination. But on that day at youth camp, uh, it was like the Lord took a key and and unlocked a door uh, mm. and behind it was stuff that had always been there. Like I'd always known, but I didn't know. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went to Bible college, um, got married right out of Bible college, and then just started, uh, you know, a journey of ministry, youth, youth pastor in a few places, um, worked for a, um, a parachurch ministry, if you will, called The Ramp with Karen Wheaton, right, yep. uh, planted a church, traveled uh, as an evangelist off and on through the whole of that. Uh, and then about eight years ago, um, during a season where I was doing a lot of preaching, especially here in Tennessee, uh, our district superintendent reached out to me about stepping into this role of district youth director. So now uh, I, I spend a lot of time uh, investing in younger leaders, young ministers, helping them to uh, govern their soul well and be, be healthy in their soul and, and be uh, vibrant in their spirit. Right. Uh, as well as I host uh, youth camps, youth conferences. Um, we raise a ton of money for, for missions along the way uh, so that missionaries are cr- equipped uh, overseas and right. here in America. Right. Uh, and so that, that's, that's it in a nutshell. I, I guess the, the, like the undercurrent of it all is I've been graced with the privilege of not knowing what it's like uh, to be without Jesus. And uh, I'm unbelievably grateful for that. I'm not perfect. Certainly uh, knew a lot of failure along the way. Uh, but, but even when I had misconstrued ideas about who God was, I always knew uh, he was available and he loved me. Uh, even if I wasn't sure he liked me sometimes, so. <laughs> uh, but that's a whole other top topic of conversation. So, yeah. Yeah. Amen. Well, man, I, I want to tell you this, you know, um, when you talk about your testimony, you know, I can't remember the verbiage that you use there, but you know, I guess something along the lines of it, you wouldn't consider it this glamorous thing, but man, for guys like me who lived a crazy, reckless, sinful, addicted, ravaged life of trouble, you know, for guys like us and and us at Be The Bush, you know, Recovery Ministries, we talk about this all the time. I find that your testimony and testimonies like yours are extremely, extremely powerful because uh, I even heard Pastor Johnny Chase, who was the pastor who led me to the Lord. He said this because he has testimony like yours. And he used to he said as a young person growing up, he'd hear all these testimonies and he'd be like, man, I don't have a testimony, Lord, and blah, blah, blah. And, And he said the Lord spoke to him one day and said, it took just as much grace to keep you from it as it did to save them from it. Yeah. And so, you know, for guys like me, I mean, that that it just is so powerful to me. It gives me hope, too, because now that I'm raising my children in a godly home, yeah. a Christian household, I'm like, man, my kids never have to go through right. what I went through. And right. your testimony, uh, others testimonies that are like that. It just, you know, really encourages me. It encourages a lot of people coming out of addiction that our children you know, those generational curses can be yeah. broken by the power of the Holy Ghost. And, um, you know, that, that they can have that same testimony that you do. I also find, too, that, you know, you've got, you know, folks like me and, and other, um, you know, pastors and preachers that have those type of testimonies. But, man, to me, it just seems like, um, you know, that the Lord uh, uses in great and mighty ways the individuals who've walked with him their whole life. You know, yeah. and and I find there's a special anointing uh, that God places on those individuals' lives, and I just I just find it very encouraging and uh, and powerful your testimony. So so want to share that real quick. Definitely, yeah. I, you know, working with young people, um, 
I have found it incredibly useful to have the moral authority uh, to be able to tell them, hey, you can you can live for Jesus right your whole life. Like right. you can do this in your teen years. You can be devoted. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not saying it's some possibility, but having lived it again, mm-hmm. claiming no perfection, unbelievably right. grateful for the people the Lord uh, brought on my personal timeline to make sure that I stayed in Christ. But uh, yes, I, and and so much of what we do with students is is hopefully by the power of the Holy Spirit, compel them to be deeply devoted as a 15 year old. Oh like, yeah. Why not? Let's just go ahead and be all in all the rest of your days, you know? Yep. That's it, man. And to touch on too, you know, you mentioned the TV evangelist thing, man. I, I think it's funny that, that you said that too, because it, it's so right, man. People just get this bad rap because there's, you know, right. one or two bad apples. It's like, Oh, you're a TV evangelist. It's like, well, I know several people who've been saved by the right. message of a TV evangelist. My brother who come out of homosexuality and is now going back into that community um after those folks have been saved since 2016 and he's wrote a book and has an incredible ministry called freedom march and they march on big cities a bunch of former lgbtq individuals who have been set free by the power of the gospel guess what happened with him he was sitting there mixed up in his sin drunk has a kite living in sin and turned on the tv and jensen franklin started ministering to him wow and he gave his life to jesus and and turned his life around through that so man i i um I just wanted to mention something about that too, because people yeah. get a sour taste in their mouth and it's like, no, you know, we're called to share the gospel and God has given us technology. He's given us tools. Think about the airwaves and the right. podcast shows and, and Facebook, social media. We can all use it for the glory of God and it is to be used for the glory of God. Um, but I want to move on real quick to our, our next little discussion question here. You know, with okay. you being the DYD uh, for the state of Tennessee and the AG um, and also, you know, going around, um, you know, in different parts of the country and, and seeing the youth of America. And I know you as DYD, you pour a lot into the youth pastors and youth and the young adult leaders. And and it's like you're pouring into them and what you're pouring into them, you're they're going to pour into those kids. So you're not being there on that personal level with the, each and every teenager in the in the state or wherever it is that you're preaching or going or teaching. Um, but you're still having a profound impact on them and the youth of America. But talk a little bit about what you're seeing in the youth of America when it comes to addictions. You know, we on the Recovery to Recover podcast, when I do interviews, we always touch on this subject. And I really wanted to bring you on and hear from you what you are seeing, what you're hearing, what the Lord's doing in this area and on this topic with um, our youth in America when it comes to this, because they have more access to everything than they've ever had before. Even, I, you know, I was just in my mess uh, six years ago. By the way, today is uh, yeah, year six. Yesterday was my sobriety day. Six Let's years, go. clean and sober. So, yeah, I should have gave a shout out to myself on that earlier, but I'm doing it now. <laughs> right, right. Throwing the plug in there, throwing the plug in there, but praise God. But what I'm saying is even six years ago compared to right now, youth and young people, they have access to all kinds of stuff and there's all kinds of stuff out there, but I just want to hear from you real quick of what you're seeing, how that's working and, and what God's doing. Yeah. You, you kind of alluded to it. Um, you know, most of what I do as it pertains to teenagers uh, is from a bit of a distance. You know, we host a, a camp, uh, but the youth pastors are the ones that are in the trenches working with those students week in, week out. I'm in their life, you know, three or four days a year. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I travel and preach a good bit. And so I'm just, I'm just in their life to intersect their timeline for brief moments. Uh, and so a, a lot of the information you would get living, you know, day in, day out, localized, uh, I'm not privy to. And so, you know, I'm not up close and personal interacting with a lot of young people that are struggling with substance abuse and those types of things. Of course, we know they're out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think an overarching um, issue, a scenario that we've got bubbling up right now, and it's nothing new. Psychologists have been have been sounding the alarm for quite a while now. Uh, is is addiction to technology, uh, addiction mm-hmm. to social media, uh, addiction uh, to um, to attention. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are these are things that um, are don't don't sound as nefarious they don't sound as dangerous um of course the exposure that comes with technology to things that you don't get exposed to on a day in day out basis in normal life mm-hmm. things that get normalized whether it be uh in the realm of sexuality or substance abuse or, or violence mm-hmm. uh they are consuming that desensitizes um and, and when it comes to technology and the way students are consuming technology these days, um, it, it trends them toward isolation. Uh, if they're consuming things that, that are um, like, every person has a sense of like, I probably shouldn't be looking at this. My parents wouldn't be cool with it, you know? And so, and so if they are perusing stuff, if they're viewing stuff, that they're having to be secretive with. So you're, you're developing to what I believe are uh, core elements of what lead to substance abuse and addiction as you roll, roll through life. You're like practicing uh, addiction uh, in some areas that don't seem as dangerous. Solitude and isolation. Uh, and um, of course, as I said, the, the normalization of things that are not good. And then secrecy, like practicing mm. secrecy, yeah, practicing yeah. deception. Uh, we said it earlier when we were talking offline, you know, it, it all is a, is a bit of a cauldron mm-hmm. uh, in which substance abuse is conceived uh, because yep. you're already developing these patterns. Uh, you're, I, I might've already said it, you're training yourself, you're grooming yourself. Maybe that's yeah. the right yeah. word yeah. for a deeper addiction. And, uh, and, and it's, it's incredibly problematic psychologists. I mean, they're mm-hmm. hammering it right now that, that, you know, uh, students that are looking at their social media and being highly conscious of the likes or the shares. I mean, they're getting, they're getting, I don't know if endorphins is the right word, but they're getting chemical mm-hmm. releases right. that are uh, very similar to substance abuse. Uh, and mm-hmm. so once again, you're creating ruts and tracks in your mind. Uh, mm-hmm. You're creating uh, patterns that, uh, well, whether you realize it or not, are, have become uh, compulsory. Like they, you, you're losing control of it, and mm-hmm. so you're 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 learning trends or developing trends of allowing something else to have dominion over you. Mm. Uh, and so it's no small thing. And I'm not, you know, I'm not one of these. It's like beating the drum. Don't let your kid have technology. Uh, but every parent knows, like, you give your kid an iPad for a week or two, and then you try to cut back on their time, and they'll lose their mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and so it's it it seems like innocent, and it seems silly, and it seems uh-huh. like oh, you're just you're just being uh, woke or you know homeschool mom or whatever. But but 
Like it's a, it's a very real psychological thing. Yes. Uh, we're seeing students, the biggest, to me, the biggest, uh, the biggest concern is what I've referenced a couple of times, the isolation, uh, the seclusion into a world uh, that even if you're interacting with people, mm-hmm. uh, you're not uh, on a, on a real human level. Right, right. And then you, you have this whole, you can be interacting with people on social media and then you can, another click go into this whole world that nobody else knows about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are, that's just, that's just dangerous territory. You're learning how to, uh, to uh, have a false persona. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're learning how to cover your tracks. I mean, just, it's anything but uh, open and honest. Now, certainly young people, adults, all of us can use technology and social media in a healthy way. Uh, it sure. does, it's not all evil and bad, but, right, but a lot right. of times a 15 year old and I love 15 year olds, but they don't have the emotional uh, or mental maturity or capacity. Uh, they've not developed to the point to be able to reprocess mm-hmm. what is happening in their life with technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, again, but I mean, yes, there are students out there that are that are heavily involved in substance abuse. Uh, I really have concerns when you get 10, 20 years down the road, generations that are completely and totally raised in this techno, you know, technological mm. age, yeah. uh, what their medication regimen will be like, hmm. you know, what wow. will, 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 will they be on, will they be on sleeping pills? Will they, mm. you know, what, what will they, and I'm not saying sleeping pills are of the devil. I'm just saying like, will they, will they have like, uh, substantial trouble with insomnia, which again, like that points you in a trajectory mm. toward, deeper addictions and darkness. And so anyway, that's, yeah. that's just some thoughts. Yeah, no, that that's so good, man. But before we jumped on to, we, we was talking about it and you even talked about that whole deal with the addiction to technology being like this gateway. Yeah, yeah. Um, we used to talk about marijuana being the gateway drug. Right. And you know, really it would like, I mean, for me, that's, that's how things started. You know, you, yeah. You, even we talk about nicotine and tobacco and addiction. People don't even realize nicotine is about six times more stronger as far as addicting than heroin. Wow. I mean, like our, 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 you know, people don't, we don't realize that, but it started with cigarettes as a, as an 11, 12 year old kid. Oh, I'll just try this little cigarette. You know, you got uh, older people influencing you and whatnot. And, and then, you know, you try marijuana. And the next thing you know, you're using cocaine and doing drugs and partying and having sex as a teenager and just yeah. life gets out of control. But like what you talked about, too, is as far as addictions like that and in the, in the social media, you know, psychologists are really pounding that right now about the youth of America being consumed by that. It When you we was talking about that before we jumped on, man, it was it was really blowing my mind, too, because you are exactly right. You're setting yourself up with patterns. Yes. Of in your mind, and like you said, like ruts and tracks in your mind of secrecy, isolation, seclusion. Uh, I can get away with this here, and yeah. those are all the uh, traits that somebody in substance abuse um, yeah. is doing. We're trying to cover up our tracks. We're we're uh, you know being secretive. We're isolated. We don't no- want nobody to know our problems. We will put on the personification of the likes and the shares yeah. um, with somebody. We don't talk about our personal addictions that we have going on that are eating us up inside. We don't yeah. just run around. Oh, yeah, I'm an addict. I'm, I'm just wonderfully happy and my life's great. Right. You know, you put on a mask and that's what is really hitting uh, the youth of America with the addiction process. You know, 
when it comes, we talk a lot about addictions and stuff on the show and, and interviewing different people, but addictions are not limited to substances. Right. I mean, we have addictions with all kinds of things in America. We have a fast food addiction, soda addictions. Of course, there's the there's. Yeah, I will, we'll talk about it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the pornography addictions, man, yeah. there is addictions that is eating up our country. It's eating up our culture. It's become normalized. And um, if we're not careful, if we don't talk about these things, if we're not transparent um, with our children, with our yeah. youth. Uh, man, the, these things will eat us from the inside out, just tear us, tear us down. I, I, I want to mention this to you and see where you're at with this, too. You know, I know you do a lot with the leaders. And so the leaders are bringing these issues to you. Um, but it seems like with our youth in America, uh, our students in our youth programs and stuff, they're dealing with a lot of anxiety, depression, yeah. suicide is is skyrocketed with the youth in America. I mean, we, we had a, a youth, we lost the youth a, a couple of years back at Canvas Manchester it was horrible. Um, this stuff is real. And like, you know, I know you're seeing those things. Can you touch on that for just a second? I know I kind of threw a curveball at you. I don't even know if I <laughs> said we were going to talk about that, but if you got anything on that, would you share it with us? Oh, I, absolutely. And, and you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, this pandemic that we're in, uh, all of the civil unrest, the political unrest, mm-hmm. coupled with, hey, let me get on social media and social media and technology does does anything, but like it does not silence any of that. It really mm-hmm. doesn't give you an escape from any of that. Mm-hmm. It actually pulls you deeper. Amplifies uh, in, in, yeah, amplified. Perfect word. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, yes, we are we are seeing young people. Um, in in mass that are dealing with anxiety mm. uh, that are dealing with loneliness that are having uh, suicidal uh, thoughts that weren't before mm. uh, and I go back to to you know and, and as adults I think I think along the way of course none of us were ready you know for what's happening in the world right now you mm. know uh, but I, I think as the adults we've spent so much time arguing and bickering and posturing and uh, fighting back and forth on politics and, mm-hmm. and on uh, how we should be handling this or how we should be handling that and who's right and wrong that we've kind of forgotten the kids mm-hmm. and we, we've forgotten that, you know, they're not emotionally and mentally developed yet. And man, I, when I say that, like, I mean, I've invested 21 years of my life in teenagers. Right. I don't say yeah. that with any disrespect. Like I say that with a sure. deep love and compassion and just knowing where they are. Yes. And, and, they they weren't like they're not capable of handling like how cut off they've been from mm. the world and from their peers. You know, I can only talk about my kids when it comes to like up personal, up close, personal, anecdotal experiences. You know, I've got I've got a young son who um, at Christmas time just had he really had a breakdown, mm. uh, just really emotional. He's kind of at that age anyway. Uh, but, but we got to talking about the fact that man, Christmas, uh, you know, he said Christmas just wasn't as fun. It didn't feel as good as it usually does and mm-hmm. kind of kept pressing him. Uh, and, and he, he just started making a list. Like you're very emotionally just started going down the list of all the things that got canceled. And I don't want to make this about the pandemic, but, sure, but sure. it gives you an idea of where kids are in yeah. general. Right now. Yeah. He starts making a list of all the things that, that we normally get to do in a year that he didn't get to do because of 
the pandemic. Right. Uh, right. And and basically couldn't really fully enjoy Christmas because he had done got so used to disappointment. Mm. Uh, he had become so conditioned to being let down that he couldn't find joy that he had normally found. Wow. Uh, and so you've got a whole segment of our population that doesn't have enough years experience or all of the proper emotional filters. Mm. I mean, the adults, we're not handling it well. Right. All, <laughs> even less yeah. them. Yeah. Like, what do you do with so much disappointment? Right. You know, and at least like in my spot, like I'm a, a part of making the decisions. Sometimes I'll, they're just like hearing the announcements, you know, mm-hmm. like they're, yeah. they're not even getting to sit at the table. Yeah. And so we're going to have, uh, we're going to have a lot of emotional cleanup uh, and healing that has to be done in young people coming mm-hmm. out of this. Yeah. Uh, you know, of course we're spiritual people and so I believe the word helps tremendously. I believe yes. relationships, relationships are sacred, man. Like yes. that, that's not a thing, like they're valuable and they're sacred. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so a lot of what we're dealing with in the church, I, you know, some of the stuff's been stripped away. We can mm-hmm. get back to some things that are timeless, like just time spent with each other. Right. Uh, scripture, prayer, uh, bearing your soul with one another, sharing burdens. Uh, but anyway, I went on a tangent. There, no, so. you're good, man. That was all so such good stuff. I mean, you're you're exactly right. Uh, you know, um, we as adults have struggled in responding to this 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 entire past year. And it's so easy to think about. I don't even know that I've thought about it like that um, until you said that. But let's like, we're struggling with it. Well, if us as adults are struck, where are our kids? Right. Where are our teenagers? How are they feeling like this? And me and my family was having a conversation about it the other night sitting there on the couch. But it's like, you know, I was telling my son, Aiden, who's 13 now, it's like, you know, I've never been through anything like this. I've been on the earth 32 years now, next month. And I've never walked through it. I'm walking through this with you, son, just like you're walking through it, you know, yeah. and uh, it's um, it, it's been an incredible thing. I think we uh, uh, we're going to be um, better on the other side of it. Yeah. And I think uh, we as human beings are going to learn a lot of things. You know, it's funny you mentioned relationships. I'm preaching on relationship series in our church right now. And we as Christians, it's so important, you know, that we know how to navigate yeah. through relationships and you know, this whole year has brought us to the point of realizing how important they are. Look at all the things we took for granted until this has come. I mean, Thanksgiving, so many families just, you know, I'm sure that's what what, part of what your boy was talking about. Like a lot of families just didn't even get together this year. And then a lot of the families that I know that did, they wound up sick. I mean, and it's not funny, but But, that's that's where we're at, you know, It's, it's, you know, and that's, it's tough. It's been tough on the kids, but yeah, I want to jump into our our next topic real quick. And that is, man, you know, your approach to, uh, youth ministry, man. I love it, dude. I I love it. You know, we was, uh, talking, uh, before we, we come on and I was just mentioning to you about just the way you run camps, the way you run conventions, youth rallies, all of the things that we're doing here in the state of the, of Tennessee with the assemblies of God, by the way, big shout out to Tennessee District. I love our leadership. You know, yeah. you guys are incredible. Pastor Terry Bailey and our leadership, Nick Nick Serbin. You know, you guys, we just we love y'all and are very grateful for y'all. Um, but with the the youth uh, department, which you being ahead of, 
you know, you just do things a, a little, I guess it's just different than I've ever seen. Maybe it's everybody's doing it this way now, but you know, it, it was not how I grew up as a kid. And, um, you know, you know, you, when you preach, you know, I remember telling you before we jumped on, I, you, I said this, you had said this and it always stuck with me. You was preaching at canvas Manchester one time and, um, you had talked about, you know, I'm not going to speak to you guys like little kids. I believe that y'all can keep up. You're capable. You're, you're sharp. We can do this. And you just turn loose on them kids, man, and preach the gospel, man. Them altars were full, people getting wrecked, people changing, uh, kids, you know, having encounters with the Holy Ghost. And so I'm going to let you elaborate on this. I'm not going to take up the whole thing, but I, I do want to say this, like what I mean by that, because I want our listeners to know what I mean. What I mean by that is camp, convention, youth rallies, anything that that Brother Jeremy touches, it's Holy Ghost. It's Holy Ghost service. It's let's chase after the presence together. Let's get in the glory of God and let's see what God wants to do. And so for for me, that was just, you know, your approach to that. But but can you talk about, you know, maybe how that started? What the, did the Lord speak to you about that? Is that just how you've always done ministry? Just will you share with us about your approach to youth ministry? Yeah, I, I probably started uh, my first year of college when we got exposed to, I guess the best term would be revival. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was, it was during the Brownsville revival, and uh, that movement was having influence all over the country and the world. And and we found ourselves in a church that was was hungry for the presence of the Lord uh, and seeking the presence of the Lord and the Lord graced that church with his presence. So mm-hmm. in college, mm-hmm. you know, people spend their Friday nights going on dates. Me and me and Michelle, who we were dating at the time, we're married now. We spent our Friday nights laying in the carpet, you know, Come at on, renewal man. services. <laughs> Uh, and, yeah. and so uh, the Lord put put a seed in me then, uh, you know, at that point, I was just a, a, a good church kid that was committed to the Lord and committed to my call. But but uh, but he put something in me. He marked me. I, I could take you to December 19th, 1996. I was a freshman in college at a revival service in Memphis. And uh, and I was the Lord touched me. All I know, I, I can't check a box like I'd already been saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and called and. Like mm-hmm. I, there were no boxes to check. He just right. touched me and I was completely different from that point oh, forward. Yeah. Uh, that you, you, what happened to you? I don't know. <laughs> I have no, no way of articulating it. Yeah. I can't, I can't communicate. There wasn't even any big physical thing reaction to it. Mm-hmm. I just know that from that day forward, I've been a different person. Come on. Uh, and so that certainly uh, was the beginning phases of it. And then I mentioned before we worked with the ramp. Uh, which is a ministry that had a great influence on, oh, yeah. on how we we do youth ministry uh, because we witnessed with that ministry um, that that students flocked, young people and young leaders flocked to the presence of the Lord. Yeah, uh, they're hungry for Him. They're hungry for something real, uh, and that's that's become so cliche to say say stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I've just spent 21 years observing it firsthand. People. Mm-hmm are indeed hungry and when there is a place where jesus is made preeminent and his presence is prioritized people will come hungry for that Mm. and so um you know and i'm not saying that to cast dispersions on any way of doing church or this model or that model i'm just saying when you lift jesus uh, up as the epicenter of what you're doing and you say He's going to come into this room and he's going to come near and he's going to change your life. I've never had a problem gathering teenagers, you know, yeah, yeah. when that, 
when that's the priority. And so we, we lead very much out of that, you know, as far as preaching the way I preach, you know, I've talked about, you know, where students are emotionally, uh, but intellectually, uh, their capacity is way higher than we adults give them credit for. Yeah. Uh, they are navigating very complex ideas, uh, complex scenarios. Uh, they, I mean, in this day and age, because they have access to so much more information, like they, they are more aware of what's happening in the world. Mm. And so, uh, and then on top of that, man, like scripture works, the Bible yeah. works. Like here's Imagine what the that. Bible says, and like I don't have to, I don't have to dumb it down for you. I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you how it fits into your world, but I'm not gonna dumb it down. I'm, right. I'm not, I don't feel the compulsion to, to you know, be a comedian that drops mm-hmm. in a spiritual nugget at the end. Uh, and if people do that, I mean, I'm not, but that's not, that's sure. not what I feel. Uh, right. And so, yeah, man, I mean, I like I preach messages that are expository or um, or with teenagers. A lot of times I preach what, what I would consider a biopic of a, a certain figure in scripture, uh, just because a lot of times kids don't know scripture. And so I need to give them enough of a person's life or enough of a text. So because you can't just assume they know it all and have heard it all, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, right. And so and then we just we just challenge them. You know, yeah. I, I have found for years uh, that teenagers, there's something in when when we're teenagers, there's something in us that wants to be challenged, mm. that wants to be different, that wants to be set apart, uh, mm. wants to be a part of something special. Yeah. Uh, and I can't think of anything that's more different, set apart and special than this kingdom that Jesus yes. has established and he's ruling and reigning over. Mm. It is it is the most unique thing in human history and you stand in front of a room of teenagers and say, Hey, you're trying so hard to be different. Here's the ultimate different, you know, (laughs) but, but but even better, like this is the only way to really be human. That version of human that everybody else is living is Mm. a faulty fake way of being human. Like Jesus is the real way to be human. And so, man, we just, we just hammer them with that. I'm a big believer because I've experienced it. I alluded to my own experiences uh, that, that in an instant, everything can change, you know? And so, so I, I'm, you know, I, I like to hold the tension of knowing that the local church, uh, is there 52 weeks a year. And, and with all of us, our spiritual development tends to be incremental. Mm. Uh, it's a slow, uh, evolution in the right direction. Uh, sometimes we take two steps forward and we take a step or two back, you know, but then we, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I don't dismiss that facet, but the role that I'm in is predominantly about hosting moments when a young person or an adult, a young leader can come and it's as if they're staring God face to face and he puts his finger on their soul and spirit and leaves a mark mm. that for the rest of their days, they're different. And when they're 50 years old, they look back on that moment and say, everything changed for me then and there, whether they got saved, mm-hmm. killed the Holy spirit healed, uh, you know, set free from emotional baggage and scars delivered from addiction, whatever. Right. Like I'm just crazy enough to believe that God still does. Suddenly it's like that yeah. stuff that we read in the Bible yeah. where like he shows up and does something crazy. 
Like mm-hmm. I, I don't have to, I don't have to be able to articulate it or explain it. I, I, I don't have to give you five points on exactly why this is happening. I mean, all of that's nice, uh, but God's mysterious. And I still believe in the mystery of God showing up in a place and touching yeah. somebody and them being different from that point on. I mean, I can talk yeah. about it a lot, but, yeah. uh, but I, I just, I very much believe in that. And I, when you're dealing with a young person, you know, their whole future is ahead of them. They've, mm-hmm. got, they've got all of these days and months and years left right. to live. And uh, one encounter with God mm. can alter the, alter the trajectory of the rest of those days. And man, I, I, I feel a real, I feel a real uh, burden's not the right word because it has negative connotations, but I'm struggling to find another word. Uh, that when I'm in a room full of teenagers, um, I'm dealing with the present, you know, whatever, you know, time of day, whatever the date I'm dealing with the present I'm dealing with that kid at that age. Mm-hmm. But what's happening in the present is going to profoundly affect the person they marry mm. kids. They have their mm. grandkids generations mm. to come like that yes. moment can redefine the meaning of somebody's last name. Yep. You know, and I, I don't say this, you know, I talked about all I've known is Jesus. Um, but, but to my knowledge, uh, I am the first male in my direct line to follow Jesus. Wow. Start going up dad, grandfather, so on and so forth. So it's not like I yeah. come, you know, I didn't, I wasn't born with a, you know, a gold microphone in my hand, yeah. you know, or a spiritual <laughs> silver spoon. Sure. Uh, sure. And, but, but one person yeah, having meaningful encounters with God and it will forever change what my last name means. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so, um, Yeah powerful man powerful good stuff you know yeah i was we was talking about it before we jumped on too because i'm like you know i got to have my first camp experience it was i guess not 2020 so 2019 yeah yeah. and uh i came as a uh you know a chaperone i was the young adult pastor at the time at canvas manchester which now we're pastoring canvas chevyville but you know it was my first camp experience and i'm like this is what every Sunday needs to look like in every church across America, man, because it was, it was glorious, man. You, you see a generation of people, um, you know, jumping, dancing, singing, weeping, repenting, changing before the Lord. And it's like, man, this is what, this is what the church needs. You know, you go to convention and you literally feel the floor bouncing uh beneath you there at Opryland Hotel man it's just it's just awesome it's it's incredible and i wanted to say this and i i mentioned it to you before we jumped on but i think you would agree with this statement too that you know you're looking for and you're wanting kids to have encounters with god that changes them an encounter and an experience are two different things you can go have the experience of camp, enjoy the cabins, enjoy the games, enjoy the swimming, enjoy the fun things, enjoy the food, you know, hanging out with buddies and friends. But if you ever have an encounter with God at one of these meetings, like what you yeah. talked about, I'm just crazy enough to believe that one encounter with God, you can have that that grandiose moment with Jesus that just changes everything forever. And you're able to look back on that moment and say, man, God did something in me right there. And, you know, when it comes to uh, experiencing and encountering, I know that what we want our teenagers to do is encounter 
um, the presence of God. Uh, real quick, just last last two things real quick uh, we got here. But, you know, you go to churches all over the country and get to speak, you know, in different areas and different states and and things like that. And, and you know, I don't limit you when I think of, of Pastor Jeremy. I'll still, you know, yes, you're DYD, but I, I don't limit you to youth in America or youth in the state of Tennessee, you know, you to me are a blessing to the body of Christ, period. Um, and I honor you in that and, and appreciate you and appreciate your voice. And so, uh, you know, where, where do you think we're at, you know, at the church in America, where are we, what do we need? What do we got to be preaching? You know, you get the privilege to preach all over the place and share all over the place. I know you have the heart of an evangelist, uh, heart of a pastor, um, as well, but like, what is it that we need? What do we need to be preaching? Where are we at? All right, let me, let me slow down. Where are we at? What do we need to be preaching? And, you know, if you had a last message, I guess, on the face of the earth to preach, you know, what, what would that be, man? Um, the last message will be, be tough. I don't know. I'll have to see <laughs> what comes to mind, yeah. but uh, where are we? Let me say this. Um, I'm an optimist. Uh, I'm, I like to live in my hopes, not my fears. Amen. I think Me that's too. a better way of living. Yeah. And so when I look at the church, I know it's in vogue right now to criticize and critique the church and, and mm-hmm. to point out all of her warts and her spots and all of her issues. Um, but man, I, I don't, I don't think the church is in as bad a spot as, as a lot of people presume. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm dealing with people the people I interact with, you know, their, their church might not be growing that, you know, it certainly has its, its challenges, but man, mm-hmm. I'm dealing with pastors and young leaders and, and congregants that genuinely love Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, that, that are sincere in their faith. Um, and so I, I don't think we're in as bad a spot as, as we might assume. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and part of that's because I believe so much in the Lord. Uh, I, I believe this. I, I've preached a message on Lazarus through the years. And one of the lessons we learned from the Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead account uh, is the people were in, in Judea where they were throwing stones or they had threatened to throw stones at Jesus. And, uh, and, and he was getting ready to go back into the city, you know, to help Lazarus. And the disciples were like, why are you, why would you go back there? They rejected you. They don't want you. Mm-hmm. They're going to throw rocks at you and try to kill you. Uh, and we learned something about God that's unbelievably important. We don't give him enough credit for. Uh, Jesus teaches us that God will visit inhospitable places on behalf of hospitable people. Mm. And so there's no amount of rejection in your city mm. that can prevent God from coming if there's a church in that city mm. that is hospitable to him. Wow. So there's always hope. There's Mm -hmm. always like we are always on the precipice of revival. We are Mm -hmm. always on the edge of that thin veil between heaven and earth being erased and and the two mingling in such a way that it's culturally transformative. We're always right there on the cusp of that. It's not as hard. It's not as far away. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it doesn't doesn't require near as much sackcloth and ashes as we might presume. To, yeah. to get there. Uh, I do think that we in the American church, uh, I don't even know how to describe it other than we need to become more spiritual. Mm. Uh, and that sounds man, like, that sounds so cliche. I'll, so I'll see if I can expound on it. Yeah, um, go ahead. 
we we have gotten um like we we have gotten so fixated on what's happening in society uh, mm. and we have gotten so accustomed to trying to get things to move in ways that this world moves and navigates like we're going to vote we're going to you know we're going to we're going to you know write up these compelling arguments you know we're going to debate um, you know we're going to what whatever the case we're going to start this organization and we're going to get involved in this act of justice and so on and so forth and none of that is, I'm not criticizing any of that um, but but we need to recalibrate ourselves to once again see the world and the scenarios around us and how we handle situations and deal with situations more from a spiritual biblical perspective. Mm. Like we need to get back to like when something's shaking, let's pray. Wow, imagine you know, that. yeah. Like like when we're dealing with difficulty, let's quote scripture and dive in the word and meditate yes. on the word and train our thoughts to go the right yes. direction. Yes. Um, you know, when when um, when we're dealing with uh, adversity, like developing praise. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, I know those ain't cool, like, you, you know, but but I, I think, and this is a journey I've been on this year in the early early phases. Like, I want to be, be a man, mm. a spiritual man, like yes. a spirit. I want to be spiritually inclined. Mm. I want to, I want to thank Jesus before I think anything else, you yes. know? Yeah. I want to, I want to think, um, I want to put him as the filter over everything that I look at to, to make sure that my approach to it, mm. uh, is spiritual in nature. And so, so definitely I, I, I think, I think we're going to have to kind of pull ourselves out of some of the public discourse mm-hmm. and return to the divine discourse. Yes. Like we're engaging too much in, in public conversation uh, and we have vacated uh, our seat uh, with Christ in heavenly places. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, and so, but again, we're not that far away. Like I, I, yeah. mean, I feel like revival is always a breath away, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, if I was, if I was, what, 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 what would I preach? I don't know something about Jesus, you know, Come on, man. the love of Jesus. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, I think in the end, um, you know, in an era when maybe you'd want to preach, Hey, quit being sinners and get your junk together right, or, right. <laughs> or, you know, like quit being political or quit. I think, I think I'd preach the love of Jesus. Yeah. Like, you know, Paul said this, he said uh, in Ephesians, I pray that you would know how high, how wide, how long and deep is the father's love for you. Yes. Then you would become perfect in maturity. Like mm. maturity, spiritual development uh, is all about sinking deep into the love of Jesus. And so whatever I preached, yes. it would be Jesus and his love uh, and and what he can do in the life of anybody if we'll sink into that love. Yeah. And so, uh, so good. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. good, man. Yeah. I uh, um, to touch on just back up what you're saying a little bit about, you know, the church being being spiritual. We've got to get back to being spiritual you know, some of us, we've just become, we have, we've become too political and wrapped up in the things of the world. It's the kingdom over the culture. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what we got to get back to kingdom over culture. When we were dealing with all this unrest um, in our nation several months back, not that it's all over with now or nothing, but you know, we did several uh, episodes on the show. If you have not heard them go back and listen to them, brought some 
good African-American friends of mine and pastors on the show. And, and that's all we talked about. It's kingdom yeah. over culture. Yeah. You know, it, the, we've already it's not about picking a political party inside. We've already picked a side. We have drew a yeah. line in the sand and we've said it's Jesus. It's yeah. the kingdom of God. Yeah. That's what we got to have, you know. Uh, and also on the spiritual thing, you know, I heard Todd White say this. Uh, 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 I've listened to a lot of him over the years and. You know, people would be like, well, you're you're just too spirit. You're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. And he said, I want to be so heavenly minded that I'm earthly incredible. Come on. And that, <laughs> that has always stuck with me. You know, we uh, we, we, we take a, a bad rap sometimes for being spiritual people. Uh, but it's like um, that's what we are. Bro, we're I'm a citizen of heaven. We're yeah. Peculiar, man. Yeah. And like, I mean, I could I could get, take you down the list now of all the crazy stuff we believe as Christians. Yeah. And ain't none of it normal. Like right. so right. so why would we in any way try to contextualize this Christianity and normalize it and make it palatable to the world? Like we're odd, we're peculiar, we're unusual, we're aliens. Like yeah. let's own that. To the full. And, you know, I'm not even going to balance it out with don't be weird. Like you as a follower of Jesus, just by your confession of faith that a man was raised from the dead, resurrected is is medically, scientifically absurd. But we believe that. So, like, let's let's like lean into the things that we believe that are utterly unexplainable in the natural you know, I'll, I'll just say this because I had another thought um, and then I'll hush, you know, oh, you're good. I, it's this starts uh, this starts um, in the pulpit, if you will, um, you know, now and, and really for the last 20 years, if you wanted to compliment a minister, the, the go to compliment would be you're a great leader. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that statement. Sure. You know, but used to the compliment was you're a man or a woman of God. Come on, man. And uh, I think we need to, and, and maybe encapsulating everything I've said, we need to get back to where the highest esteem, uh, the, the, the ultimate pursuit is I want to be a man of God. Come on. I, I, that's who I want to be. That's how I want to, I don't want to be known as a great leader. I don't want to be known as a great preacher. I want to be like, that guy knows God yeah. really, really well. Come on, and you man. can sense it radiating off their life. Like that's yes. what I want to be, man, more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what, what I'm hearing right now is on your tombstone and he's just say the man of God, Jeremy. That's Austin. it, man. Like, <laughs> that's it. Like don't, yeah. don't put my resume, don't list that and, yeah. and husband and dad, like give yeah. me those three and I'm good. So That's awesome, man. That's what it's about, man. Real qu- quick as we close it down, shut it down, man. I've enjoyed this dude. I feel like I could just talk to you all day, brother, but uh, you know, you've wrote a book and I want you to uh, please share a little bit about it. With our audience, I wanna I wanna read a quick excerpt from the from the back of the book here. And the name of the book is Let Your Heart Go Free, an Emancipation of the Soul. And uh, I want to read this real quick. And and the 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 uh, caption above this is Jesus is better than you first believed. And it says here, so many church attending uh, Jesus believers have expressed sincere concern that they live well short of the abundant life of Jesus afforded them via the cross and the empty grave. Let your heart go free expresses that deep longing to see men and women know legitimate freedom. The term freedom is typically attached 
to the ability to abstain from inappropriate behavior. For most, the idea of freedom centers more on behavior modification than true internal liberation. However, many genuine God-loving people still wrestle with the same cravings, insecurities, fears, sorrows, lust, anger, and frustration that plague them upon conversion. Uh, can you expound upon that just just a little bit briefly there? You know, what 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 is this book going to do for the individual who reads it? You know, when it comes to letting your heart go free, the emancipation of the soul, what is the reader going to get? What what sparked this? What did God uh, uh, speak to you while writing this? And just elaborate on that a little bit for our listeners. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I've already said like 42 years old, all I've known is Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I. For the most part, was a great Christian, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. uh, but probably five years ago or so, I the Lord just took me on a journey, um, probably six years ago, just started taking me on a journey uh, of rediscovering him, rediscovering what he accomplished, uh, and most importantly, rediscovering what that really means for me Mm. uh, as a son of God. You know, I've been living for Jesus my whole life, but realized like I've still got insecurities Mm. that that are plagued me, that, that influence me negatively you know you you got these behavior patterns that you can't shake but even if you're really good at at modifying your behavior and and knowing how to act like dealing with anger or lust or or fear uh, or loneliness or or any of the sort Uh, but a lot of the book man comes from the fact that like i'm i kind of joked about it earlier like i know i've always known jesus loved me uh, but i was not real confident that he liked me Mm. Uh, I always had this ominous sense uh, that God was frustrated with me, mm. annoyed with me, um, that that like I, I I was I needed to get my junk together. Yeah, you know? I think a lot of Christians feel that way, man. Absolutely, and that's a lot of what this was born out of because I preached in a lot of places and dealt with a lot of people, and I found that like. Mm-hmm. This this struggle is pervasive in the church. We'll say God loves me, and we know that. But like, then there's this undercurrent of thought that says God has got to be annoyed with me, <laughs> like because I know me. Yeah. And so, so the book is a journey through uh, John chapter one, the verse mm-hmm. first sixteen verses or so, uh, and and it's just basically the introduction of Jesus, and and is kind of trying to reintroduce Jesus to the believer. Wow, uh, so there's some practical chapters, you know, um, one of the chapters is called pagan prayers mm. and it was a, it came from a, a truth that profoundly enhanced my prayer life. It's not a long chapter, mm. uh, but, but it, it, it's a chapter that absolutely changed my prayer life, you know, 38 mm. years into being a Christian. Yeah. Uh, and, and it just is all about your thinking and your, you know, how you perceive how God perceives you. Uh, there's a there's a chapter called Beach Ball that uh, I mean, when the editor wrote read the chapter when she when she went through it, she said I had to share this with my with my college age son. Like I've shared it with several people. Like it, awesome, it impacted me. Yeah, uh, and and it's a little bit again. It's about it's about Jesus loving you well. Uh, there's some there's some practical stuff on how to establish rhythms, uh, you know, in your life and some consistency. Uh, it digs into the fact that um, all of us, uh, no matter how much we protest, 
Uh, our thoughts of God and how we read scripture are heavily influenced by our past, mm. our experiences, our upbringing, the geographical location where we were raised. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these, all of these filters uh, distort or cloud our view of really seeing God well. Mm. Uh, and so ultimately it's about finding freedom in the deepest places of your heart by seeing Jesus better because he's enough. Yes. Like he's all sufficiency. Yes. So any deficiency in me is nothing more than an indicator that I've, I have a deficient view of him. Mm. And so the book is about trying to see Jesus better. And when you see Jesus better, some of this stuff that's been encroaching upon your rights as a son or daughter of God begins to go to the wayside. So come on. Anyway, so there's a picture yes. of the book. I don't know yes. if that's uh, I don't know if that's reversed. I don't know if you can actually <laughs> Yeah, no, no. I was gonna do this too, but you beat me to it. So yeah. yeah. You so can you get can, that book on Amazon and where yeah. is there any other places that they can do you yeah, have Amazon, JeremyAustill.com. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, and you can follow me. I know I talked about social media and technology, but uh, <laughs> you can get on there. Yes. Uh, you can follow me at Jeremy Austell on Twitter and on Instagram. And and those are the two. And Facebook. Those are the main Facebook. places. Awesome. Awesome. That was going to be my next thing. Tell us how we can connect with, with you, how our listeners can connect with you. You nailed that and hit the home run with that, man. We just appreciate you so much for coming on, man. This was an, an incredible episode today. And, uh, man, we touched on a slew of topics. and. Like I said, I feel like I could just talk all day with you, man. It's it's uh you're an incredible individual. Like I said, a blessing to the body of Christ. And um, you know, the these topics, man, this is the stuff we've we've got to talk about in the church. And uh Jesus, like you said, man, I just want to close us with that, right? Jesus is enough. Yes. Oh my goodness. He's yeah. enough. You don't gotta add anything to him. You don't got to take anything away what he did on the cross of Calvary. And not only there, he didn't stop there, but the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the things that we believe, the power of the Holy Spirit that's available to you and me and any believer. It is enough yeah. uh, in the Christian life. And God is good. Amen, man. Sure. Thank you so much for coming on, Brother Jeremy. Uh, to our listeners on the Recovery to Recover podcast, we thank you uh, so much for tuning in today. We hope. Uh, today blessed you we thank you for tuning in don't forget to tune in next wednesday don't forget to like subscribe to the show you can listen on itunes or or wherever it is that you're listening to you can also get a hold of me on facebook and instagram pastor caleb mack on instagram and facebook uh with caleb mccall and uh we just thank you guys for tuning in pastor jeremy once again thank you so much for coming on man we love you and uh appreciate you man and to all our listeners we will see you guys next week